hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Please podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and it is just me today. Solo episode coming at you. I'm really excited to do a solo episode this season because at the end of the first season, I had a few solo episodes that were very like unplanned. I needed to have an episode out and just had like some stuff that I wanted to say at that time. But this solo episode is definitely planned. It's been on my schedule for this season. So I'm excited to kind of see how it goes, what you guys think about solo episodes. Um, I was feeling really drawn to add a few more in this season. So I'm thinking like the first week of every month we'll do a solo episode. And I'm not super sure how they're going to be structured. They might be totally different. I might follow suit um, after like this first one. I don't know. It's an exploration. And thanks for listening to it. For this particular episode, I wanted to kind of walk through my journey and experience with mental health because I've alluded to it in a lot of the conversations I've had on the podcast with guests, but I've not really gone through the whole thing with you guys and kind of like what my experience has been, how I discovered that I had like to take extra care of my mental health and what that means for me and kind of like I have a lot of thoughts on it, so we'll get to that. Um, And I also asked some questions on Instagram stories and you guys um, had a few things that you were curious about and just like general questions, so I'm excited to go through those as well. So I think that'll kind of like get us through this first solo episode. Not going to be any intro music because it's just me, so I can just keep on talking. Oh, one of the things I wanted to mention with solo episodes that I think is just kind of interesting and different perspectives that I always appreciate, when I posted on my stories on Friday that I was going to do just a solo episode on purpose and not have a guest, um, someone reached out to me and she was like, yeah, I have always just done solo episodes because just a little bit like nervous to have guests on her show or whatever. And I just thought that was funny because it's the total opposite reaction to like how I was feeling at the beginning of my podcast because I thought I don't know what to talk about so I can just bring on people that do know um, or have expertise in certain areas that I'm curious about but I I don't I think that I was a little bit hiding behind having guests and hiding behind the production of things and not really like owning that I have a lot to say in the mental health space just from my experience even though I don't have like credentials in any like mental health area. Interestingly enough though, my college degree was family studies and human services, which you're like, what the flip is that? I don't know. A lot of people go on to do social work or they get their master's. I have a close friend um, had the same major as me and she went on to get her master's in psychology. Um, So a lot of like therapy, social work type situations, which I was not interested in professionally. But I think it's kind of cool that I, it's kind of like applying. Definitely my interests are aligned with what I talk about on the podcast and having a major like that. All that to say, you know that I do things that feel right in the moment and the next right thing. And I definitely think solo episodes are the next right thing right now for me. I like to record them, so I hope you like listening to them. Okay, so my mental health journey has definitely led me to even producing this podcast it's all kind of wrapped into one and started a long long time ago probably forever honestly I feel like I've always just run a little anxious way before I even had the vocabulary to know that I was feeling anxious and that's what it was I think I just pushed through a lot of things Um, like some of my earliest memories are getting dropped off at school and I would just have a pit in my stomach all morning like nothing like I had friends at school I like I did my homework I was a good student and we're talking like grade school so this is 
literally probably like fourth grade, fifth grade. I definitely remember feeling this in fifth grade. So let's just go with fifth grade. Um, But just having a pit in my stomach on the way to school, whether it was like on the bus or getting driven to school with my friends, like it really didn't matter the scenario. I was just so nervous to get to school, like the anticipation of it. And I started noticing that after I actually got to school and got to class and like got in the swing of things, that feeling would go away. But I was definitely anxious. Like today, I would name what I was feeling as anxiety, but I obviously had no idea. Not super severe, definitely something that I could control or like get a handle on on myself. Like I wasn't like leaving school or having panic attacks at that age or anything like that. But definitely just feeling a little anxious feeling in my stomach a lot of the time. And I think my anxiety was pretty mild in childhood, like until later in life. So if we fast forward to college, Even then, like, I don't think I felt particularly anxious or, like, afraid to do things, but I had so many friends around me um, that I was just really living life side by side with. I was in a sorority, so I just had this, like, huge community of friends and really great people that I just felt really supportive. So I, I don't think there was a lot of room for, like, anxiety to come out because I was just... I was just dependent on my friends. Like I was just connected to them so much that I don't, again, I don't think there was room for a lot of like the anxiousness to come in um, because now like I recognize like anxiety and doing things on my own and I'll get to that in a minute, but like my anxiety is definitely surrounding like myself and confidence and independence, like anxious to make decisions on my own, to trust my decisions, to like be alone basically is where my anxiety comes from so in college with all of these friends around me I just I wasn't feeling very much of it and my mental health I'll I will talk about like the two main buckets so anxiety and depression so far I've only really talked about anxiety but depression starts to make a little bit more of an appearance in college because um even up until then I would have days where I just felt heavy I felt so heavy and I just it really felt the weight of the world I remember like saying that to myself like I just am really feeling a lot today and try again tomorrow so I would kind of like wait out these waves of feeling sad and kind of just watch Netflix or play on my computer spend a lot of time in my room just kind of like resting until I felt better Um, So while anxiety was definitely not as prevalent earlier in life, I still remember these days or several days in a row where I would just feel so drawn down by just like the sadness that I recognized in the world. I don't know. It's a lot, but I felt that. So in college, I definitely felt that too. I just needed a lot of days to myself and I took them and that was how I managed it. So up until this point, like I'm recognizing that I am feeling these things, but I'm pretty like high functioning, you know, like I'm still living my life, having a good time, like making progress in certain areas. It's not debilitating. And then my junior year of college, um, no, 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 my sophomore year of college, me and my first boyfriend broke up and that was devastating to me, like completely devastating. And looking back, I think that it, I, I kind of feel like my mental health is like a threshold and if I like drop below a certain threshold then it's really really difficult for me to come out of it and I might need some extra help like talk therapy or medication or something like that and 
sophomore year in college is the first time that I experienced like really dipping below that threshold. This is a made up threshold, but in my head, like this is just how I experience like my mental health, like ebbs and flows. And so this breakup was so hard on me and I was very depressed, very, very depressed. And I didn't, again, like have the language to know that that's really what I was feeling. I thought I was just like going through a first breakup and I was really sad and I would eventually get over it. But it took me a long time, probably like my whole junior year. I think I was just still kind of dealing with this and just really sad about it. And I was questioning if I had some other illness because I was just getting physically sick. I had headaches. I was so foggy. It was really hard for me to do anything. I would go to class and then I would come home and sleep and then that's it. That's all I would do. I completely lost interest in anything that I used to want to do with my friends, wasn't really going out, wasn't really working out, wasn't like participating in any of the events and stuff that were around campus and I used to love that stuff. So It was just really hard for me. And looking back again, I think it's like I dipped below this threshold and I just could not get out of it. I was coming home and I would see doctors and they would give me like little surveys to fill out about how I felt day to day and just like my mood. And I did not have a lot of like talk about mental health up until this point. So going to the doctor and filling out those questionnaires about like how sad I actually was was just really upsetting to me because I felt like I shouldn't feel that way or like I should be able to park back up and really get back on the road and you know do something get busy like I just I just couldn't move I couldn't do anything I, I was just totally stagnant and stuck in this mental state so how did I get out of it at that point again it was really my friends like they were really gracious with me even though I wasn't particularly a great friend during that year um, was definitely not like available or really offering much to the friendships that I had at that point because I just had nothing left in me eventually I started pushing myself to hang out more go out more Um, and just participate in things more even when I didn't feel like it and that's truly all that I did to get myself out of this like eight nine ten month phase where I was just feeling really down and I eventually did come up for air and I felt a little bit lighter I felt happier Um, and then I had a really awesome senior year like the funnest year ever because I was able to come out of that and just like embrace the situation that I was in. Um, But that was really like the first major experience that I had with depression that I was like, whoa, this is definitely a layer more than just like regular sadness there. It's just a lot more. So at this point, I'm still very unaware that what I'm feeling is related to mental health or like I kind of know that I get really sad, sadder than most people, but I still feel pretty good, able to function in the world and not feeling like super debilitated after that junior year. So fast forward a few years after college, I ended up moving out here to Colorado. That's really when my anxiety went just full force. Looking back, I have a few thoughts on why I feel like that chapter and moving was particularly like anxiety inducing. So those few years like in between after graduation and before I moved out here, um, I did a lot of traveling. So I spent some time in Peru. I worked on a cruise ship. I was just exploring and figuring it out and doing it by myself. And I felt really empowered in that way. But there was also some rocky things that happened during that chapter that I think started making me question like my choices and am I able to make good choices for myself? Like I just started to lose trust in myself. 
I would make this decision and be so for it thinking it would be so so good for me and then it actually ended up hurting me a lot and that exact concept just made me subconsciously think like the choices that I'm making are actually hurting me and I'm not able to see like the full outcome or whatever even though I don't think that's true because some things just happen and I couldn't have seen it anyway but I just started to not trust myself and I think moving really just triggered that thought even more because I thought the same thing might happen or I really wanted to move out to Colorado by myself without a job and like not a lot of money at all and so I was just really worried that I couldn't trust myself and make this happen for myself but I certainly tried so I got here I got a job like within the first week I was here at a preschool very cool trendy nature focused preschool that I was so on board for And I love little kids. I had a lot of experience working with kids prior to this time. So um, I was excited that I found myself a job in the first week feeling really good. And then it was not the right job for me. (laughs) Preschool is not chill. It is not an easy place to work on any kind of mental health issue. There is not a lot of support and there is 100% chaos. I started breaking out in hives in class. Um, almost daily I would have panic attacks in traffic on my way home because I just was so overwhelmed with the move still trying to like get my bearings in a new city by myself Um, starting a new job that was extremely high stress I had never been a preschool teacher before and I had never been with this school before who was also brand new like we put the furniture together to open the school it was brand brand new and taking care of 10 dollars is definitely anxiety inducing they're very demanding very cute but very demanding so at this point taylor and i are talking again and he's moving out here to colorado as well so we're calling each other on the way to work in the morning just to to chat or whatever And um, I remember like vividly, I don't remember like what we were talking about, but I remember that he was talking about how like we're really there for each other because like we both understand anxiety and stuff. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, like you have anxiety and like I have, I like feel anxious sometimes or whatever. And I was like, wait, I have anxiety? 26 years old and I never put together that I like had anxiety. (laughs) and that he like called me out on it and saw that in me before I saw it in myself so I was like okay you're definitely right I have anxiety because I should not be having panic attacks in traffic like I should be able to move through my life a little bit easier than what's currently happening and so 26 years old this was the first time that I decided that I wanted to give medication a shot I tried several different medications did not love the side effects of any of them except for one, and my insurance didn't cover that one. So I was just stuck taking one that I really didn't like. I I definitely felt like it dulled my emotions. I felt very numb. Um, I didn't feel as anxious, but I just was not, I didn't feel like myself. I think I stayed on medication for about a year um, because I was still trying to like find one that didn't give me like super bad side effects or whatever and I was still working at preschool so trying to make it work the best I could on medication and I reached a point with teaching preschool that I was like all right (laughs) I can't I can't do this this is not for me I do not have the capacity so if you bring your kids to preschool or have any connection to a preschool teacher or early childhood education, just tell them that you appreciate them because they are not making enough money. They do not have resources. And I promise you the only reason that they are working that job is because they love those kids. 
So started to look for another job, trying to think of transferable skills to get out of education because I didn't see a lot of growth for me there that I was interested in. Um, So I ended up at a customer service role because customer service and dealing with toddlers is actually pretty familiar, um, especially if people are upset. They have to use a lot of like toddler negotiating tactics and customer support like giving options. If a toddler's like upset or they want something, like no, you can have a peanut butter and jelly or you can have a grape, but those are your only two options. And that's the same with customer support. Like I can either help you or I cannot. And that's really all you have to choose from. So switching into another job, I decided, you know what? I don't wanna be on this medication. I'm gonna try and get off of it. And I was probably not ready for it because it was really, really tough. Customer support is still really difficult. And in terms of like, the kind of root of my anxiety being like, I don't know if I can trust myself. It was just a whole new world and I was still feeling very like inadequate and people were mad at me. They weren't mad at me, but I felt that they were mad at me when they called in and not like the software or the company or whatever. I took a lot of things personally. So still like another environment that I think was just very, very triggering for where my anxiety cause was coming from. So I ended up getting back on medication because sometimes you just need a little bit of help And it did help. The way that I would describe like why I felt like I wanted to get on medication is because like I knew there were things that I wanted to implement in my life to get a better grip on my mental health, like eating better, working out consistently. Those were two very important things that I was not doing at the time, but I was just so deep in that I couldn't put anything in place. Like I was in complete survival mode dealing with like my mental health that I needed medication in order to help me work on those things. Like if I had any chance of coming off of it, I needed it to implement these systems for myself. After I started getting really consistent with some of these things that I knew were good for your brain, because at this point I'm recognizing like, okay, like my brain needs some extra help and I'm not really doing much to help it in terms of how I'm living my life and what my lifestyle is. So I started working out consistently. Um, That looked like doing 30 minute workouts every day or every other day, just some type of movement. And then eating better was another one. Not that I eat perfectly now. I still eat way too many carbs for what even makes me feel good. But um, I've definitely like have healthier eating habits that I think really support my mental health as well. So that's kind of like my journey in a nutshell. Um, Present day, I'm not on medication and I still feel like I have to do a lot of things like working out consistently, cutting down and almost out of alcohol completely. I don't drink very much at all. I'll go weeks without drinking, but if it's like a social setting, then I will have a drink or two. Eating better, journaling, getting outside, connecting with people if that's what I need to do, or getting alone time if that's what I need to do. I would also say that general life experience has helped me manage my anxiety because like I said, for me, it really comes a lot from not feeling like I can trust the decisions that I make. So as the years go by, I'm obviously making a lot of decisions for myself and living independently. um, And that helps build my confidence. So I feel a little bit less anxious when I'm doing things. Um, Still some like lingering weird things. I still get nervous to go to the store by myself. Um, That was one thing. Taylor used to go to the store all the time. Like the first year, almost two years probably that we were together. I did not go grocery shopping and he did all the grocery shopping for us because I was just so anxious and did not want to go to the store. Like didn't want to deal with people, didn't want to talk to the checkout person, 
didn't want people looking at me when I was at the self-checkout. Um, that's like crippling anxiety. If you are afraid to do things that you need to do in your daily life, then that's like a red flag. <laughs> that something needs to be addressed probably, in my opinion. And I've also gone to therapy on and off. I think I've gone to just two different therapists. No, three. Three different therapists in the last like five, six years or so. Um, honestly, I don't think I found the right one, which is why it's so on and off for me. I want to like it, but I just haven't found the right person, I guess. So maybe something I will look into again in the future if I feel like I need it. Mental health is just so, so important to me because I've really gone through several different stages with it. And I, I know it's going to be something that I continue to deal with. Like I'm a little bit nervous when I'm a parent because I like these systems are going to be little bit messed up. I'm not going to have total control over my schedule, over what feels good to me at the time. I'm going to have to put a lot of that aside and I get pretty anxious about that just because I want to be the best that I can be and I'm just worried that I need a lot of things to be the best I can be. Or I just think about like postpartum depression and is that going to be like another dip in the threshold of my mental health that like is because of hormones but it's just going to be like maybe really hard for me to bounce back mentally after that. I don't know obviously because I'm not pregnant and not going to be right now, but um, just something that I think about. And to bring the whole mental health journey to an end, at least for this podcast episode, the podcast and the tea please and me showing up online has really been the result of me working through my anxiety because I wonder why I'm anxious to show up online about things. It just forces me to take a look at the choices that I make and why I'm making them. So it's been really healing and reflective for me to do this. And also to talk to people who have expertise in mental health and just literally ask them the questions that I have. Selfishly, it helps me out a lot to talk to these people. So I hope it helps you as well. I'm so, so glad that people are talking more about mental health so that the younger generation will hopefully have the vocabulary to identify when they're feeling these things. I mean, I am not too connected with Gen Z or younger right now, but um, I think that we're doing a pretty good job with normalizing mental health and giving that vocabulary because, I mean, through my story, you can see that I didn't have that and it took me until 26 to really name and acknowledge that I had anxiety and depression and that I could do something about it. I think it's a really great thing that we're having more in-depth conversations about this stuff. Okay. Let's get into some questions that you asked on Instagram to close out this episode. I'll keep these all anonymous, um, but a few of you were asking about confidence, um, just like general topic about confidence. So I'm gonna take that as like, what's my relationship with confidence and maybe how I build it? Because I have historically and still present day, like struggle a lot with confidence. And I hate that people can see that in me sometimes. And I know that they do, but I it's, it has honestly been like a struggle for me to feel confident because I felt like I ha- I can't trust myself. So how can you be confident if you can't trust the decisions that you're making? That's been like my struggle for the last decade. Another little anecdote that kind of ties into confidence that I think has played into a lot of the healing that I've had to do was I was overweight like growing up and in middle school um, and going into high school still I was definitely like full and larger than I don't even want to say average I was just bigger and um, 
I dropped weight like really, really rapidly because I got mono. It's like classic high school story. Got mono and dropped 30 pounds. Like I remember people talking about that in high school all the time and making jokes that they would like want mono because you would lose a lot of weight. And I did get mono and I did lose a lot of weight all at once. And it was the sickest that I think that I have ever been. I was so sick for like a month and a half, didn't go to school and just slept the entire month. When it was time to go back to school, I put my jeans on and they didn't fit at all. They were just falling off my hips. They were that big and that's how much weight I lost. And after I lost all that weight going back to high school, I got a lot of attention. A lot more attention that I was not getting just a month ago when I was bigger. Not great for the old body image and confidence piece because um, after that I just believed that I needed to be small in order to fit in and get attention. Building my confidence now is definitely still a work in progress, um, but I've come a long way in that and I think the main things that contribute to that are working out has definitely helped me because I'm able to stick to what I said that I was going to do. I'm getting physically stronger. I feel good about that Um, and just feeling confident like in my body, like knowing, like having control over what, what I do with my body makes me more confident. And I think life experience, it's very general answer to how to build confidence, but a lot of people say that you build confidence by doing, and I would agree with that because I continuously put myself in difficult situations because I'm looking for growth and I want to be better. This is probably the biggest thing in my experience with confidence is that I have always had people around me that see the potential in me and draw that out of me, and they push for me to pursue the best that I can be, even when I don't see it. Um, I've had a lot of people in my life do that. Taylor is one of them. Um, I've had bosses do that for me. My family does that for me. The opportunities that I get, I don't feel ready for them, but the people around me feel that I am ready for them. I don't love that, you know, like I would like to own, you know, my actions and feel really confident going into things, but I think that speaks to the people that I surround myself with and just getting lucky in a corporate setting that I've had teammates and and bosses do that for me too but having people that see you for you and the goodness in you and then believing them so even though I didn't really believe that if they felt that I was ready like okay like they must see something in me so let's freaking do it um and then through doing that whatever the thing is I grow a little bit confident on the other side Okay, next question is, how do you balance social media and your mental health at the same time? That is a great question and definitely still a work in progress because social media has like real effects on your brain just from scrolling. So it's really hard not to get sucked into that. Recently, my North Star slash motto when it comes to social media is expression. Um, I think we talk a lot about like adding value if you're someone who's trying to like grow something online or even if you are just online in general um, or feel like weird about posting or whatever, like expression for me is always where I want my foundation to come from because sometimes I question like if something is valuable, it's not like concrete. This is what you're going to learn from watching this Instagram story from me. So if I want to post something, I'm asking myself like, do I want to express this? Like, is this something that I just want to share with the people that follow me or the world? Or do I feel like I need to say something about this? Um, and then also if I don't feel like showing up someday, like that's fine. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it or feel like I'm not going to grow because of that. Like, I think I still think some of those things subconsciously and I'm really trying to combat those because social media can just be so unhealthy, especially for confidence and mental health. So I think 
yeah, you just really have to be on top of your boundaries with social media and create them. Like, I'm sick of my phone. Going into season two, honestly, I said like, I'm only gonna get back on social media if I can commit to only like 30 minutes of screen time per day. That has not been happening. I've been spending way too much time on social media and I feel it in my brain. Like it just feels chaotic. It's hard for me to get through a workout because I'm so distracted and I wanna move on to the next thing. It's hard for me to be patient in like any other area of my life because my brain is just like going, 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 going and it's because of how quickly I'm consuming content content online there's like a very distinct correlation between those two things so I would just be very careful and if you are feeling some of those things and and you're also not happy with your screen time it's pretty safe to say that if you reduce the screen time and create some more boundaries you're going to feel a little bit better in other areas of your life I've started playing Animal Crossing again on my Nintendo Switch instead of being on my phone in the evenings because I still am like looking for mental stimulation, but I don't want to be scrolling. So I just plant some crops on um, Animal Crossing before bed instead. So ideally I would be reading, but um, honestly, that's what I feel like doing instead. Okay, next question, life coaches. Helpful or just more unregulated mental health advisors? Great question. I do have some thoughts on the coaching industry in general, and I've had a few coaches on the show. Um, So I do think that there is value in a coach, but I will say I'm more skeptical than not when it comes to life coaches. Um, So I'll give two scenarios. Start with the positive. I think life coaches can be really helpful if you are living pretty isolated or you might not have that community of like-minded people around you just yet. Maybe you're making big changes in your life and you need some support in that and you're really breaking away from toxic friendships, toxic relationships, or just noticing that the people around you are not really lifting you up, but you also have big dreams that you want to go after. I think in that case, a life coach or or any type of coach can be really helpful because they're pretty much like your cheerleader. Hopefully, they should believe in you, they should see the potential in you, and they should help you get there. Especially if you don't have a community of like really great people around you, um, which could be for a lot of different reasons, then I think a coach by your side could be really helpful in building that confidence in the early stages of something because you really need that guidance um, and it might be hard to get if you don't have those people around you and not saying that like you're doing something wrong if you don't have great people around you or maybe you do have great people around you and they're still like far away. Um, You might just need a little cheerleader closer to you. So the flip side of that is I think the coaching industry is really unregulated and I've heard some bad experiences that friends of mine have had um, where they've got a coach or whatever and it's not super helpful um, because I think sometimes coaches can have a certain curriculum that they get stuck on and it can kind of fall into like the toxic wellness space and that if you're not following exactly what they're saying and what their advice is, um, like then you're a failure or you're not reaching your goals because you're not doing what they say correctly or you're not reaching your goals because you're not understanding the concepts or taking their advice or whatever it is. I think in that way it can be damaging because again, it's kind of teaching you not to trust yourself. This is how I wanna build my business or this is how I wanna live my life or improve this area of my life. And if you have a coach who disagrees with you or has different advice for you, then in my opinion, that's not a good coach because a coach should be for you 100% of the time and really have the empathy to let you figure it out on your own, even if you are going against their advice. So I think it can be really positive 
if you're in the right situation, um, you have like a coach who really understands you and is for you and is not trying to like dominate the relationship by building their coaching business. You know what I'm saying? Um, Sometimes that can happen where they're also trying to grow their online coaching business. And so they get frustrated if you're not making the progress that they think you should be. They can kind of lose sight. So yes, I think you definitely need to be cautious with coaches and life coaches in general, but wouldn't write them off completely because I think they can be really awesome and add a lot of perspective to whatever it is you're trying to improve. Just be careful and don't let a negative experience like make you feel worse about yourself in that relationship because it's probably more the coach, just saying. You know what you want to do and if they're not helping you get there, then you don't need them. Okay, I'm going to put these next two questions together um, because one is how do you deal with relationship conflict or conflict in your relationship and then um, home reno. (laughs) So these kind of go hand in hand, at least in our current phase of life, because we have a huge home renovation. If you've been following on Instagram, it's really hard for me to talk about it on Instagram because it's like moving so slowly. So it's just like boring updates week to week. Um, But I'll give you like a little bit of a rundown here for anyone who's not following me yet which you should do at the Two Please podcast. We have a duplex that we bought at the same time as our wedding. So we closed on the duplex the same week as our wedding. Um, and then immediately after that, we've just been at this house every single weekend trying to renovate it. Um, so the downstairs is totally gutted at this point and we just have to clean next and then um, start putting new things in there. But obviously like any massive project like this is but not hard, but like going to bring up some conversations in a relationship that like you might have differing opinions on. So of course we've had to deal with that a little bit. Um, So really just working through communication in this first year of marriage. We've been together for like almost five years now though. So it's not like we hadn't had any experience with not being on the same page about something, but the house has definitely pushed us to have like more intentional communication about things. You know what I'm saying? The biggest thing with conflict in our relationship for me, because that's what I can speak to on this podcast, is I like for the longest time had guard like my guard up thinking that like our goal was not the same or like he was trying to say something different or like get me to agree with him. And um, really like we are always trying to understand each other and sometimes that gets lost in conversation or in like a conflict that we're having but like really we just want to be on the same page and we want to like understand what's going on but I think we both get frustrated when like our views are so different on something and then we can't understand like the thought process of the other person because it seems so like crazy to the other person something that really helps us is to take a break in the conversation and then come back in an hour or two if we're like really heated and we're not like being productive or we're not like wanting to help each other understand and we're just being more defensive than anything like that's a sign that we need to take a break and that we like will always come back to the conversation later and have like a more level head like more willing to cooperate in the conversation and not feeling so defensive so take a break and sometimes like we do go to bed like mad and then wake up and have like finish the conversation because that's what we need to do and I know people say like don't go to bed mad but whatever 
I don't, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> like I'm not worried about our relationship because we do that. I think that's what works for us sometimes, even though it's like obviously not preferable. It's really hard to go to bed upset and like knowing that there's still like lingering conflict in the air. But because I know this pattern in the way that we communicate, I know that like when we talk in the morning, it's gonna be more productive. One kind of overarching conflict or conversation that we've had to have a lot with the house is just like financially, it's a lot for me and like I don't want to do the work <laughs> like I would not choose to be doing manual labor um, like I get the the concept of like why this is a good investment for us like I understand the numbers and how like this is a great investment for us and hopefully we'll set us up in the long term to do more of what we want in the future but I just don't want to do it. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to invest my money in it. I want it to be done. And I've always been like pretty clear about that. And so now that we're in it, like it's just really hard for me to like not feel like I have more of my own money to invest in like things that I want to invest in or like have more money to put towards the podcast or like get some help with the podcast because just really all of both of our money is going towards this house at least for the next year so it's just a big commitment so that's something that we have really had to communicate on because I don't want to resent this situation like I've obviously opted in for it I am in for like the long haul like I would not do it if I knew that I couldn't be happy doing it but it has been pretty hard just because I don't feel like I have money of my own that I make to invest in the stuff that I want <laughs> um, and that can be like kind of close-minded on Taylor's side of things and I can I definitely get that because I'm just like I want my money now and I don't want to invest in this like long-term thing that I know is going to be good for us but in my mind I just see like different opportunities so I maybe would not invest like my money in this particular project but maybe a different house that needed less work or not real estate at all like I think there's different ways to get to our end goal which we both share um but we just have like different views of how to get there so right now like the house is really like our focus and we both have to be all in in order to make it happen so that's just been something that we have had to have like multiple conversations on to be like okay like this is what it's going to be like at least for the next year or so and then what can we do to make me feel like I do have control over my money and my time um so Taylor's definitely been like super super supportive in making sure that I'm not working on the house like longer than I want to um or not going over there at all like he's there multiple nights a week on the weekends I am there like for maybe four or five hours on the weekends and that's it I don't go during the week so he does a lot of work um and is totally okay with doing that it doesn't really cause us friction by him doing more work because that was kind of like the expectation going into it because I was always very clear that I did not want to be doing so much manual labor. I'm not good at it. I don't like it and I have a bad attitude when I'm doing it. So I'm much more helpful when I'm back home taking care of Rocket, making sure like, you know, our daily life is like still nice and we have food in the fridge and um, just kind of like keeping up with things back here while he's keeping everything moving at the house. I'm hoping I can share a little bit more about the house like later on down the road after we start putting like new things in but it's just been a really slow process since we both work full time and we really only have weekends to work on the thing. Obviously it's just moving a little bit slower um, but I will be in there like towards the end of the year we're hoping to move in um, so it should be really nice and I can share it with you then. Last question is what is something that you're currently working through? 
love this type of general question um, because I love just like checking in with people and also understanding like what it is that they're kind of wrestling with. Um, So I love this question. I am definitely working through boundaries with social media, which I know that we kind of talked about a little bit, but I just feel really affected by it. And it's just hard for me to feel like I'm living my life. And I think like last year in COVID and just being home so much has really like sucked me into social media more than I ever was involved because I was always interested in social media, but I never really felt like I was living my life for social media or just struggling so much with it. Um, But I really think like just being home and that was definitely something that I used to one, like be entertained because there's not a lot going on. And just like as a coping mechanism, it's so easy to like the content never stops. You can just keep going and you never have to stop. So I think my boundaries have totally gotten out of control and I've just noticed how that affects me mentally. Um, So like both personally and professionally, I think that's so important because I do want to have a presence online. I feel like very strongly compelled to do that, but it doesn't help me professionally to like keep scrolling and get confused with all the different messaging even though I follow so many positive people just reading so many different quotes and perspectives like all day long is really confusing and then and then I feel like I need to live for those quotes or like live for the perspectives that I see online instead of putting out a new one which is my own perspective just anything like that in my personal life it certainly doesn't help me because I think it just exacerbates anxiety helps me feel like not helps but like makes me feel more out of control and definitely working through boundaries. I know a lot of people struggle with boundaries and I think like for me the biggest way to change that it's like with any habit but like big changes or transitions can really help to like kickstart a change in habit. So if you're like going away for a long weekend or even just a regular short weekend if you're like going camping for two days and then you come back and you say like okay when I come back like I'm not going to engage with social media the same way that I did or this is when I'm going to start implementing this boundary that I set for myself like having big transitions like that help to kickstart habits. I think it can be really hard if you're just living the day-to-day same old, same old, and then you want to change something so drastically, it's hard to do that. So I think like getting completely removed from your day-to-day and then coming back with the intention to set a new boundary or start a new habit, that's what I would advise. It just makes it way easier and it gives you like a little boost to make your daily life a little bit more what you want. Okay. I think that's it for this week's episode. I've been talking for a long time. I definitely need some water, but um, I love recording these episodes and it's just so easy to like talk on a microphone. I think it's not as easy to give so much detail on Instagram and writing is not my thing, but I really like recording these. Thank you for submitting your questions and topics for this episode. I know I didn't get to all of them, but uh, maybe we can save those for next time and maybe we can do like more questions. I want to engage with you guys more and like talk to what you're dealing with and thinking about in your life. So um, keep the questions coming. Definitely find me on Instagram at the Team Please Podcast. You will see me most likely on stories and the feed is um, pretty much just about the podcast. So you can stay up to date there. It would mean so, so much to me if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts and it would mean so much more to me if you would share this episode or any of the previous episodes that you liked, got some type of value out of. Share, share, share. Um, The more the merrier when it comes to this podcast. And I'm so grateful for you for being here and I will see you in the next episode. Mm